Well, good morning. Good morning. A, a very warm welcome to you. If you're here in the building with us, uh, please do grab a seat. Uh, if you're watching online, it's great to have you as we gather to worship the Lord together. Uh, my name's uh, Colin, and I'm one of the pastors here. It's really uh, lovely to have you. If you'd like to stay afterwards uh, for some tea and coffee, there will be refreshments in the back hall. Please do make yourself known to us, especially if you're visiting or you're new to us. It'd be great to, to get to know you a little bit better. This morning, in light of the fact that today is Pentecost Sunday, uh, we're beginning a new series uh, on the Holy Spirit. And we'll be looking at today, this morning, at the Spirit of Truth uh, from the Gospel of John. As Sarb unpacks uh, John, uh, the Gospel of John in, the, in that topic. Uh, and the Spirit of Truth, he leads us to the person of the Lord Jesus, who, who is truth. As the Gospel writer John says in chapter 6 of Jesus, he says, To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. To know Jesus is to know the truth and to be free. To be free from our sins, that we can come before him and to worship him for his amazing love for us. As we look forward to being with God forever, when all things will be made new, when we see him in his, all his glory, uh, we look forward to that. As we've just sung, change from glory into glory, till in heaven we take our place. As we look forward to that day of glory, we realize that that day will be perfect and pure and holy and righteous in every possible way. But as we think about our lives today, often we don't reach that standard. We don't live lives which are righteous, which are pure, which are holy. And so let us just come before the Lord now to say sorry to him, to confess our sins before him and receive his forgiveness. Let's pray. Father God, we, we look forward to that day when we will see you in all your glory and holiness and righteousness. But Lord, in light of your goodness, your glory and holiness, we are rotten. We are sinful before you. We have fallen short of your standard. We have sought our own way. We have not told the truth when we should have. We have not uh, lived a pure life this day or this past week. We've been angry with others. We've been irritable, frustrated with them. Father, we pray that you would forgive us for that, for the things that we have left undone, the good things that we have left undone. Would you forgive us? Would you help us as we are empowered by your spirit to live for you? And we thank you, Lord, that as we look to you, the one who has paid for our sins in full, that we have been cleansed, that we have been made right, that we are holy before you because of what you have achieved for us on the cross. And we give you thanks. The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. The Lord is good to all. He is compassion on all he has made. And Father God, we thank you for your grace, your compassion, and your love for us in the Lord Jesus. We give you thanks for the lives of James and Catherine and especially little Henry this morning. We give you thanks for him. We pray that, that he would know personally your love, your grace, your compassion to him in the Lord Jesus. 
We give you thanks for him. We pray as well for E4, for, for Becky and Elenid in their new move uh, to Abergavenny. We pray, Father, for provision for them in a church. We pray that you would help them to continually lean on you, to look to you in all things, that you would help them as they walk closely with you. And Father, as we think of our, our children, we do pray for our children right now with the the S Club with Crash, with Impact. Uh, we pray for those who are leading and teaching. And Father, that they would present the Lord Jesus to them and that their hearts would be drawn to you. That they would come to you as they are little children and to know you as their saviour. We pray for, for young people in schools. We pray for those who are uh, really struggling at times, maybe with exams, maybe with other things. We pray that you would help them uh, to live for you, to, to have that peace and rest that only comes uh, through knowing you. We pray as well uh, for, for us who are in the workplace that we would live lives of integrity where everyone is calling us to compromise. We pray that you would help us to live for you and to know that you are with us in everything, that you are our strength, our comforter, our helper. We pray, Father, uh, that you would help us to be those people who are uh, empowered by your spirit and to live lives which are full of joy. As we think of being people who are joyful in praying, giving and serving, We pray that you would truly help us to do that, that we would live lives which overflow with prayer, with generosity, and with service. We pray too, Lord, for for those who are grieving at the moment. We pray for the the Finlay family and uh, Jackie's dad, Derek, uh, following the death of Jackie's mum, Peggy. We pray for for John Hooper and the funeral service for Anne this coming Thursday at St. Mary's. Would you be very close to John and the family? We pray too for Sally and the family as well as as Sarb leads the funeral service for her mum Grace uh, next Friday at Watermead Crematorium. We just lift them up to you, Lord, that you would uh, comfort them. We pray for Kathy as well in her recent loss too. For others, Father, who are grieving, who are thinking of those from the past they have lost, we pray, Father, that you would comfort them. And Father, we give you thanks for those who are serving you this morning, who are preaching your word. We thank you for Cal, who's preaching at Buckingham. And we pray for him and for John Billet as well at West Worthing Evangelical Church. We pray that you would help him to proclaim the good news of the gospel. We pray, Father, for those who are undergoing treatment for different things, who are ill and going undergoing chemo or undergoing different types of treatment. We pray that you would help them to continually trust in you. I give you uh, thanks uh, for uh, the lives of Matt and Katie uh, in their marriage on Tuesday. We pray for uh, Martin and Helen and that and the whole family as they celebrate that day. We pray, Father, for those uh, further afield. We pray for uh, our missionaries, for Bethan and, and Tenabu. We thank you, Lord, for the great progress in the building, the uh, work in the clinic, including the borehole to provide water. We pray that you would help them to get the roof up before the rains start to come. We pray, Father, for provision with building materials, for government approval, and for continual communication with those that they would seek uh, to bring in to employ, that they would lead like Christ, that they would serve others with the love of Jesus at the heart. pray, too, for John and Abby in Nigeria and their work. Uh, we pray, Father, that you would help them in the, the heat that they're experiencing right now. We, we thank you, Lord, for the time that they have to take a break, a two-week holiday. We pray that would be refreshing to them as well. 
We thank you for the provision in the solar panels and the batteries as well. We thank you that that helps in all their ministry and their work as well. Help them as they seek to build relationships uh, with others and teach the next generation of leaders too. Lord, if there is anyone on our hearts, would you help us just to take this moment now just to lift them up to you? We thank you that we can entrust our lives and those close to us into your hands because you are our Heavenly Father who cares for us. We pray, Father, as we come to your word now, that you would help Lisa as she reads and Sarb as he preaches. May we hear the voice of the Lord Jesus and may we be transformed by the power of your spirit at work in us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now I'm going to invite Lisa up, who will give us a reading uh, from John chapter 15. Great, so you have a, a Bible. It's um, John chapter 15, um, starting at verse 26, um, to John chapter 16, verse 15. John chapter 15, verse 26. When the advocate, advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father... He will testify about me. And you also must testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. All this I have told you so that you will not fall away. They will put you out of the synagogue. In fact, the time is coming when anyone who kills you will think they are offering a service to God. They will do such things because they have not known the Father or me. I have told you this. So that when their time comes, you will remember that I warned you about them. I did not tell you this from the beginning, because I was with you. But now I am going to him who sent me. None of you asks me, where are you going? Rather, you are filled with grief, because I have said these things. But very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. About sin, because people do not believe in me. About righteousness, because I am going to the Father, where you can see me no longer. And about judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears. And he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. Uh, Lisa, thank you so much uh, for reading uh, for us. Uh, Before we start, uh, let's uh, take a moment just to pray. Jesus says that all that the Father has is mine, therefore I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. So Father, as we come to your word this morning, uh, might you by your spirit uh, speak powerfully to our hearts, and might we see more of your glory, Might we see more of our need for you and of your goodness. So be at work in our hearts, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Uh, today, uh, as Colin said, is the day of Pentecost. Uh, ten days after the ascension of Jesus, uh, we have the fulfillment of prophecy as God pours out his spirit. And in Acts 2, um, if you turn to Acts 2 at some point today, uh, you'll see the incredibly powerful way uh, in which that, unvent, that event unfolded. Uh, there's a mighty sound from heaven, divided tongues of fire, Uh, The disciples were filled with the Spirit, and they began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them utterance. And in the centuries since that day, there has been an ocean of ink that has been spilt on what it means for God to have poured out his Holy Spirit. What it means for the world, uh, what it means for the church. Uh, what it means uh, for uh, for us and uh, uh, the believers, uh, and also for the glory of the Trinitarian God. So what better time than Pentecost itself to start to look uh, at the Holy Spirit? And so we're going to start uh, looking at uh, the Spirit starting this week for seven weeks. The aim of the series is not to tell us everything that we can about the Spirit, but rather to focus only on one aspect. That's to help us understand the Holy Spirit's work in our lives. And so this seven-week series, we'll be looking at these things, the Spirit of Truth this week, and then rebirth, freedom, uh, pinnacling, if you like, our assurance, and then the outworking of being filled, uh, the gifts of the Spirit, uh, and finally, for the believer, uh, the glory of bearing the fruit of the Spirit. So I won't be addressing all of your questions, I'm sure, uh, as we go uh, through this series. But over the seven weeks, it's my hope that we'll have a much better understanding of what the Bible says about the Holy Spirit. Uh, And the home group, uh, you'll have study material for that, which hopefully will allow you to dig into uh, this stuff uh, in more detail as well. So where do we go? Where do we go if we want to learn more about the Holy Spirit? Or perhaps more accurately, to whom? Do we go? Arguably, the best place to go is to listen to Jesus himself, the one who knows uh, the Holy Spirit. And so for our reading this morning, that's why we found ourselves in the end of John chapter 15, uh, running through into 16. And here, John's recording for us that uh, Jesus is teaching his disciples. It's the night before he is betrayed and killed. He knows that his earthly ministry is drawing to completion and that 40 days after that event, he would leave the disciples. And then 10 days after that, the, <clears throat> the Holy Spirit would be poured out. And he tells them this because he knows that their hearts are troubled. He's going, that he's going away. We see that in verse 6 of our reading. And what is the one thing, the one thing that the disciples and we need in the light of the fact that Jesus is going away? The one thing that we need is the Holy Spirit. And, and Jesus will return to the Father, and the Holy Spirit will be poured out. And so this morning, I want us to uh, see uh, why Jesus calls the Holy Spirit the Spirit of Truth, and why that's important in the life of the believer. And so from our text, I just want to lift out uh, three things uh, for us this morning. Firstly, uh, the personhood of the Holy Spirit, uh, the Spirit of Truth, what that means, and also um, the Holy Spirit as the Advocate. So firstly, the personhood uh, of the Spirit. Now, I wonder what you think of, what comes to mind when we speak about the Holy Spirit. I think the first thing for us to say is the Holy Spirit is a person. 
Okay? Just like God the Father is a person, God the Son is a person, God the Holy Spirit is a person. And when we look at what the, at the way in which the Bible describes the Holy Spirit, we see that the Holy Spirit has characteristics that we would associate with a person and not with a vague force. That the Holy Spirit is relational and personal. And we see this uh, in many, many places uh, in the Bible. Uh, just a few here on the screen for you. Uh, we see that the Holy Spirit uh, is one who teaches. Uh, the Holy Spirit uh, in Acts 8.29 tells uh, Philip to go and uh, speak to the eunuch. Uh, in Acts 15.28, we see that the Holy Spirit uh, makes decisions. Uh, it seemed good to the Holy Spirit in sending a letter out to the churches. Uh, the Holy Spirit, he can be grieved. He can be outraged, and also in Acts 5, he can be lied to. Uh, the Holy Spirit, he can also forbid and prevent human plans, as we see in Acts 16, as he did with Paul's missionary journey. Uh, and in our reading today, we saw that the Spirit also bears witness, and he also testifies. The Spirit is a person. The Spirit is not a vague force uh, or a blind energy or a random force field that can be, if you like, tapped into. And it's important because uh, what we understand about the identity of the Spirit will profoundly impact the way in which we engage with the Spirit. If we, if we think that the Spirit is an impersonal power, uh, a force, a, a wind to be caught, uh, then the way that we'll engage with the Spirit will be technique-driven. We might think there's a particular way to engage with the Spirit. That there are certain actions or routines that will allow us to draw down the power of the Spirit. If we view the Spirit as an impersonal force, we run the risk of entirely, of either entirely mechanistically coming to Him or having an approach that is entirely emotionally driven. Or if you think that the Holy Spirit is like a gas fire, that we need to find the right button to spark it uh, into flame. Or if you think the Spirit is like a fluid and we're like leaky buckets. Uh, then how we approach the idea of engaging with the Spirit or being filled with the Spirit will look very, very different if we understand the Holy Spirit to be a person. And we'll be talking more of what it means for us to be filled with the Spirit uh, later in the series. So the Holy Spirit's a person. Uh, and what does Jesus say about him? This brings us to our second point, that Jesus is the spirit of truth. On the night before Jesus is crucified, as we see in John 14 through 16, he's teaching his disciples. Now, for, for the men in the room, they've given up everything to follow Jesus. They've given up their livelihoods. They've given up their family. Uh, they've been ostracized by the world, the Jewish world around them. And now Jesus says, I'm going away. I'm leaving. And in 16.6, we read that because Jesus has told them that, they are really filled with sorrow. They're not sad just because Jesus is going away. That's bad enough. But he tells them in verse 2 that things are going to get very bad for them. Take a look with me. They will put you out of the synagogue. In fact, the time is coming when anyone who kills you will think they are offering a service to God. He tells them that they are going to be cast out and rejected by the Jews. They will lose friends and family. This isn't just a social exclusion. 
but that the people will think that putting them to death is doing God a service. You can imagine their stomachs turning, their mouths drying up at the enormity of the rejection that lies ahead. And in verse 1, Jesus has told them that the most important thing for them is that they not fall away, not to abandon their trust of Christ. Jesus tells them that what they need to do above all things, and it's true for us as well, is to hold fast to Christ through all of the challenges that lie ahead. And to equip them for that, what they need is the spirit of truth. And that's true just as much for us as it is for them. So here Jesus speaks of the Holy Spirit as the spirit of truth. Now Christianity at its heart is not a system of philosophy. It's not an abstract set of principles. But at its heart it's not even exclusively a mode of living. Christianity is something that's based on real facts, real events. It's, it's historically verifiable. Christianity is based upon real things that happened. It's based upon the revelation through events in time brought to us in the Bible of who God is and what we need to be made right with him. That out an overflow of the love of God that he created all things good. Humanity has a special place in that order of creation, created to live face to face with God. But we rebelled. Humanity rebelled against God and so death came into the world. But in love, God sent his one and only son into the world to rescue us, you and me. To live the life that we should have lived and then to die the death that we deserve in our place. That Jesus was then raised from the dead for our justification. And he now sits at the right hand, exalted to the throne as the king of kings. And that he is going to come back to judge the living and the dead. And because of what God has done for, for those of us who will turn back to God and live their lives trusting in the Lord Jesus, that those of us who do that will have eternal life. That we're adopted into the family of God as his children. And that we will live face to face with God throughout all eternity in a place where there is no death, no sorrow, no pain. Where the old order of things has been turned away. And the resurrection of Jesus, friends, is the best attested fact of all of history. And it shows us that what the Bible says about God is true. It tells us that all that Jesus said about himself is true. And so we can trust all that the Bible says about what is yet to come, about Jesus' return. Christianity, friends, has content. And where does this content come from, we may ask? Uh, Peter writes in 2 Peter 1.21, he writes this, For prophecy never had its origin in the human will, but prophets, through human, sorry, though human, spoke from God, as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Uh, we're told that the Holy Spirit wrote the Bible. That although the pen was held by different people, 
the words that we have in the Bible are God's words. That God guided the hand of each writer of scripture to write exactly what he wanted them to write. So the whole Bible is the work of the Holy Spirit. So we can't say things like, Paul must have been feeling a bit cranky that day when he wrote that. I'm not sure that we can really rely on that. No. All of scripture is breathed out by God. All of scripture is profitable for teaching, reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. That God's people may be complete and equipped for every good work. Now we might think, well, just how is that possible? How is that possible? Now, if I was to ask you who built St. Paul's Cathedral, I should guess that uh, some of you would guess that it was Sir Christopher Wren. And in many ways, that is the right answer. But I can imagine that he didn't quarry a single stone for the building. He didn't cut a single stone for the building. He didn't carve any of the statues. He didn't place a single column, nor did he paint a single panel. But in every single detail, the building is his work. The building exactly represents what it is that he'd planned. The workman delivered exactly what Wren had planned. And in the same way, the Holy Spirit didn't personally pick up a pen, but as men were carried along by the Spirit, the Holy Spirit wrote the Bible. And what the disciples needed that night, and what we need, is the truth. uh, The truth revealed in Scripture and in Jesus, the living Word of God. But the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Truth, isn't exclusively about the acquisition of knowledge. Uh, The Spirit of Truth uh, will take the truths that he's revealed in Scripture, and he will also make them real in our hearts. Now, a toddler knows that she is loved by her mother. She, She knows that. But when she's lifted up into her mother's arms, she experiences that love. Nothing's changed. She's every bit as much a daughter when she wasn't being embraced as she is now that she is being embraced. But the moment she's scooped up into her mother's arms, she's experiencing the truth of that love. And that's what the Holy Spirit That's what he does for us. He makes the truths of God revealed in scripture alive. He brings us into a living relationship with our heavenly father. As Paul writes in Romans, he pours the love of God into our hearts. What does that look like? What does that look like? Uh, Here's what Jonathan Edwards uh, wrote in his quiet time notebook. Quote, I have had many times, sorry, I have had many times, I've had the greatest delight in the holy scriptures of any book. Oftentimes in reading it, every word seems to touch my heart. I seem often to see so much light exhibited in every sentence and have such refreshing, ravishing food communicated from these words that I cannot get along in my reading. I would often dwell long on one sentence 
to see the wonders contained in it. The sense I had of divine things as I read the scriptures would often, all of a sudden as it were, kindle up a sweet burning in my heart, an ardour of my soul that I know not how to express. See, as we dwell on the truths in scripture, as we read scripture and fill our hearts and our minds, as we sing biblical songs, as we meditate and pray, that experience of the love of God will, will come to us. It will come to us and warm our hearts and lift our hearts. And we'll experience it in different ways. For some of us, it will leave us weeping. And for others, there will be a profound sense of peace. And such experiences of God's love, they will give us the power that we need and the strength that we need to live for Christ through the sufferings and the trials that we face every day. To have a fountain of contentment that neither earthly feast nor famine can shake. Christianity, friends, is, is a deeply experiential relationship with the one true God. But, it, but it's not only about experience. Uh, we can fall off the horse on both sides. Uh, we can fall off on one side if we seek only the experience. Every bit as much as we can if we fall off the other side by denying that there's any experience to be had. We must remember that our experience of the love of God is brought to us by the spirit of truth. Through the word of God. The word written by the spirit. The spirit makes the truth of scripture alive in our hearts. As it were, God scooping us up in his arms. So the spirit of God is the spirit of truth. But Jesus also calls the Holy Spirit the advocate in chapter 15, verse 26. And he does that so that we can see something more of what the Holy Spirit does in the life of the believer, which brings us to our third point, the advocate. Now, depending upon the translation that we've got, uh, we have um, uh, advocate in 1526. It can be translated as helper, counselor, comforter. The Greek word here is uh, parakletos, someone who comes alongside. Someone who comes alongside. That's the parabit, the parakletos. And the kletos is to call, to speak out, to summon. Someone who comes alongside, therefore, and speaks. And it's used to describe a legal defender. Uh, So the name paraclete, the advocate, the counsellor or the helper, actually describes what the Holy Spirit is doing in the hearts of the believer. He's coming alongside us and reminding us of the truth, the truth of what God has done. You see, almost our biggest problem is that we forget. We forget. We forget what God has done. We forget the way in which he's revealed his love for us. We forget that we are his children. And we forget what is ours now that we are in Christ. I don't mean that we forget in the sense that we never remember it. But rather the things of this world seem to be more pressing and more real than what God himself has revealed. We forget the truth as the world presses in. 
at school we might aim for the best grades because we start to think that perhaps love is conditional upon performance. And the Holy Spirit comes to us and says, Jesus on the cross tells us that God's love for us is not based upon our performance, but on Christ's work for us. When we forget, the Holy Spirit comes alongside us in our hearts and tells us the truth. At work, we might be tempted to cut corners, to overstate our performance, to overclaim on expenses. And the Holy Spirit comes to us and says that the return of Jesus as the ultimate king and judge shows us that it's God that we should fear, not man. When we forget, the Holy Spirit comes alongside us in our hearts and tells us the truth. We might find ourselves mired in trial and heavy of heart, thinking there's nothing good to look forward to. Now the Holy Spirit comes and says... The return of Jesus, he will wipe away every tear from our eyes and bring us to a wedding banquet. And we will enjoy and delight in Christ throughout all eternity. He tells us that the best is yet to come. When we forget, the Holy Spirit comes alongside us in our hearts and tells us the truth. You see, we forget. And the advocate, the paraclete, comes alongside us and says, wake up, wake up. Have you forgotten what has been done for you? So the spirit of truth is our advocate. And in particular, in chapter 15, verse 26, Jesus tells us that, uh, that the advocate, the spirit, he's going to testify about me, about Jesus. And then if you skip down to chapter 16, verses 13 through 15... Jesus tells us that the Spirit will not speak on his own. In other words, about himself. Rather, he's going to glorify Jesus. And what he receives from Jesus, he's going to make known to us. The danger, you see, is that we see the Spirit being poured out on the day of Pentecost and think that in this age, our eyes now need to be firmly fixed on the Spirit. Maybe like the star actor that suddenly appears on scene three on stage. The crowd erupts, the spotlight on the actor in the limelight. But the Holy Spirit isn't seeking to break onto the stage that we might have our eyes drawn to him. No, the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth and he's the advocate. Rather, what he's doing is more like this. More like the spotlights on St. Paul's Cathedral. The spotlight functions to bring out the beauty of the building, to bring it into sharp focus. The spotlight uh, shows up, doesn't it, the, the intricate stonework to show us the beauty in the detail of the building, reveal the symmetry of the structure, the project their light to show the towering majesty of the building. The light reveals the careful ornamentation of the building, the balconies, the columns, the statues, the windows. And as we look on, well, we don't see the spotlight. We just see the glorious building. The spotlights themselves, they're hidden from view, aren't they? But they show the beauty of the building. And in a similar way, the Holy Spirit is not drawing attention to himself. He's showing us and revealing to us Christ 
God's love for us revealed in and through Christ's love for us. He's shining a bright light on Christ that we might see him more clearly, not drawing attention to himself. So to see more of the Spirit's work in our lives, well, to allow the Holy Spirit to work powerfully in your lives, allow him to take you to his word. And and like Jonathan Edwards, to allow the truths that the Holy Spirit has given us in scripture to fill our minds and to fill our hearts. And as we see Christ going to the cross for us in our place, we'll have more courage to submit all areas of our life to Christ's good and perfect care. And through that, we will see the Spirit's power and work in our life. The Spirit will give us the strength that we need to journey through the challenging times, the joy to serve, to pray and to give, the courage to speak to others about the one that we're living for. And the extent to which we're willing to allow the Spirit to bring Scripture, the truth to our minds, to the extent that we're willing to submit our lives to him, well, the more we'll know the love of God being poured into our hearts by the Spirit. Oh my, what a wonderful thing that the Holy Spirit does in the hearts of the believer. I I know I, for one, want more of that. And my prayer is that we all do. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you uh, so much uh, for this amazing truth, this amazing gift of your spirit poured out at Pentecost. Thank you that uh, by your spirit you dwell in our hearts. Thank you that uh, the Holy Spirit reveals uh, the truths to us. Thank you that he is our advocate reminding us of those truths. And I thank you that as we dwell and reflect and meditate, as we sing out and pray those truths, that by your spirit you are allowing those truths to take deep root in our hearts. So Father, we pray that we would have the courage to surrender to you. By your spirit would you be at work in our hearts, grant us the assurance that we need to know that you are our Heavenly Father that through our lives we might bear fruit for your glory. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. That brings us to the close of our service. Uh, Tonight we have, as we mentioned earlier, our seminar on anxiety. All are welcome uh, along to that. And, uh, And as God has spoken to us in his time this morning, perhaps you want to pray about what you've heard or something else on your heart. Uh, there'll be uh, people at the prayer ministry uh, corner there uh, by the banner uh, with red lanyards. Please do pray for, with them. It'd be a real joy. It'd be a privilege to pray with you. If you ask myself or Sarb or anyone else alongside you, it'd be great to, to pray with you. Uh, let me pray as we close together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the truth of the gospel. We thank you for the spirit of truth as he leads us in truth to the Lord Jesus. We thank you, Father, that we can we can rest in you, we can trust in you because of who you are and who you've revealed yourself to be. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.